When we finally got down to something which the individual says he really wants to do, I will say to him, you do that. And uh, forget the money. Uh, because if you say that getting the money is the most important thing, you will spend your life completely wasting your time. You'll be doing things you don't like doing in order to go on living, that is to go on doing things you don't like doing, which is stupid. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Today's guest, I was fortunate enough to be your neighbor growing up. She has an incredible path filled with perseverance and dream chasing. She played professional football around the world, and now she's a head coach back in the U.S. Today, with her footwork debut, Kim DeCesar. Welcome to Footwork. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, <laughs> good, good to see you again. Yeah, nice little nice Great. office you got there. Thank you. Yes, where are you now? I'm at Franklin College, where it's in Franklin, Indiana, um, just south of Indianapolis. Mm. Very nice. And you're the head coach there. Correct. Nice. Wow. Very nice. Head coach and strength coach. And strength, and strength coach. coach. I actually didn't tell you. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Man, get so, the resume right. Wait, so you, are I, you the strength coach for the athletes or just the, the, the soccer team? So I'm men's soccer, women's soccer, women's volleyball, and women's lacrosse. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Very so cool. that was role change as of February. Because before that, I did uh, some work study stuff and then got my certification which was a goal of mine. And then now I work with men's and women's sports. Nice. Cool. I mean, I guess, I guess it seems fitting because you've always been into like just being fit, fitter and stronger than yeah, all the you other You know, players. we've always done fitness together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, cool. So let's start off with a quick game. Some of this is relevant. Some of this not at all, but it doesn't matter because this is footwork. Yeah. And yeah, cool. this is, it'll be perfect to get to <laughs> know you a quick, little bit. Quick lightning round. Coffee or tea? Tea. Ooh, Nike or Adidas? Oh, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll say boots for this, for in this case. Nike. Nike, okay. Cat or dog? Dog. Just got one. Oh, yes, I've seen. Very cute. What kind of dog is it? A lab mix. Nice. Perfect. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Rap or rock? Or neither? Country. Yeah. Oh, love it. There we go. Morning or night? Morning person or night person? Morning. For sure. Yeah. Um, book or movie? Movie. Messi or Ronaldo? Um, Sam Kerr. Love it. Women's soccer. Uh, I'm not answering men's soccer question. Love that. <laughs> love it. Brilliant question. Uh, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Um, burger or tacos? Tacos for sure. Pizza or pasta? Oh my gosh. Pizza, pasta, and bagels every time I go home. Oh, all of them. As much as you can. And uh, Nickelodeon or Disney? Nickelodeon. Wow. Ooh, yeah. Good answer. So what's, what was the favorite Nickelodeon one growing up? Rugrats. Rugrats. That was quick. And, and like, Our Real Monsters. And Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold mm. Classic. What about Rocket Power? Yeah, I liked Rocket Power. I was a little bit older for Rocket Power. Yeah, that wasn't too like. cool, I guess. It wasn't too cool. So, <laughs> so, so let's start, Kim. Um, we've known each other pretty much our whole lives. And uh, I can remember a story that I was told, but I don't remember the actual story. Um, and so 
to give it a little background, I was really good friends with your, your younger brother, Will, growing up. We were inseparable. Uh, we live down the street from each other. And I guess it was one of the first times I came over to your house and you told me to hop in as a goalie. And uh, what happened? Can you, yes. What happened next? Because I don't, I don't, I literally don't remember. I just know the story. What happened? I shot the ball and literally hit you in the face and like pancaked your face. And you just, it was game over. It's amazing. <laughs> ball and crying. He was like out. <laughs> that's amazing. See, that was my introduction. That's, so that's how, you, that's how I, I, that's how I met Kim. Wow. Yeah, I don't remember it. I think it was probably an early onset concussion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that explains a lot. Of, that explains a lot of why Sean, like how he is. That explains it. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I remember that. Like, like it was yesterday. That's so funny. Yeah. I remember that story. I thought it was so funny that that was quite relevant to bring, but yeah. Full circle so, to bring around to the pod now. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get you back somehow. <laughs> um, so yeah, tell me, uh, where'd you grow up? Where'd you play uh, growing up? Uh, where'd you go to college? And then kind of, we'll just start in the beginning of your journey before going on to the professional game. Okay, so where are you cool. from? Grew up Massapequa Park, Grand Boulevard, what, eight houses from the Vinbergs. Wow. Um, and uh, so Sean's older brother is my age. So we, we grew up playing together a ton um, on the block. Played for Massapequa Power. So I stayed with the local club team, but it was kind of before the time of where everyone like traveled and went to, went to the bigger clubs. It was mm-hmm. more town clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a good club team, um, a bunch of, uh, girls on the team went to play Division One, Division Two, um, <clears throat> and uh, played for Massapequa High School, which was also a time where the high school teams were good because, like ECNL and the DA, weren't picking off the good players from high school. Mm. But yeah, I stayed with that club team through I was eight, eighteen years old. Um, got recruited uh, to go to Duke, and actually, it's an interesting story because obviously Duke's in North Carolina. It's not, it's kind of far. Um, and I didn't play for a great club team. It was a very good one. Like we had one state and whatnot, but, um, I always trained with, uh, the boys team. So from ninth grade, I trained with Massapequa boys team that was a year older than me. So it was like my grade and the grade older. Um, so I would train with them like two, three times a week on top of my own sessions. And as a, as a ninth grade girl um, and 10th and, and high school, like training with the boys, it was, it was fun, but it was like so nerve wracking, but I kind of enjoyed that, like feeling a little bit uncomfortable all the time. And also mm. I was by far the worst player, like ninth, 10th grade. And then I feel like as I got older, I like wasn't the worst anymore, but I was, definitely wasn't the best. Right. Um, but the coach of that team, Kevin Shanley, you know, Shan. Mm-hmm. Um, so he actually coached at our rival high school and had sent um, uh, All-American to play at Duke. And she did a really good job. And that's how he developed a relationship with the Duke coach. So he actually made a call for me. And then they came and watched. Um, but he knew me just from training with the boys team. So wow. that's how I actually got recruited to Duke because I sent emails to literally everyone as you do. Um, and I got the letters in the mail and all of that, um, mostly from mid-majors and Duke was definitely a stretch. I had multiple coaches that, and people that I really valued that said like, Hey, like maybe that's a stretch for you. I don't know if you'd ever play there. Um, and I kind of, I never really doubted myself in my like personal determination I doubted my ability because I knew I wasn't good enough yet, 
but like I knew that I was crazy <laughs> and I knew that like I was training all the time and I was like no matter what even if I sit the first year like I'm gonna play the second even if mm-hmm. I sit the first two years I'm gonna play and I think a lot of times I talk to players now that they're like yeah I'll work really hard and and this is kind of the coaching piece a little bit I'll work really hard and I'll and I'll play but I'm like but what are you doing extra? Like, what's your personality? Is your personality to work hard and everything? Like, are you actually going to like stop at nothing to play? Mm-hmm. Because that was the mentality that I had. And I just had that innately. Um, right. So I was like, no matter what, even if, even if um, I get there and I'm not good enough, I'm going to just try my absolute hardest and then still run the risk of still not playing. Right. Yeah. Um, but I got the opportunity. I got a really good financial aid package and um, I, uh, I committed. I committed my junior year. Um, so I technically was a recruited walk-on. Um, I did earn a scholarship my senior year, uh, which was, which was awesome because I had, uh, I played four and a half. I was there four and a half because mm-hmm. playing with the boys team, my senior year of high school, I was training, getting ready for college. It was April. Um, this is actually really embarrassing. I got megged and I tore my ACL. So we were playing one V one. I don't know, Sean, I don't oh, know if you did no. that. I don't know that. So, I knew you tore your ACL going to the freshman yeah. year. On the same so, play, you got magged and tore your ACL. I got magged and I went to cut, like to, to literally, it was one v one to goal. So like player was coming at me. It was, you know, Joey Jones. It was Joey yeah. Jones. Yeah. So you can, you can send him this. Um, player's coming at me. I'm defending um, kind of sideways on. He kind of beats me and then decides he wants to be a little bit of a butthead. And cut it back again. Me cuts it back, megs me, and I go to turn, and my foot gets stuck straight in the, in the turf. Wow. And, like, I heard a pop, and Shan was like, no, you guys collided. I'm like, no, we didn't collide. And, like, I was on the floor, like, my knee, my knee, whatever. And then, yeah, so that was – I had surgery in May, and then um, I missed – I was out for over a year because I had some complications, had another surgery. Um, then I finally got to play at Duke. I barely played. I sat the bench a lot. Um, my first year there, or I guess then second. So my first year playing, um, 10, 15 minutes a game, uh, towards the end of the season, I played a little bit more. So I was a little bit more healthy. Um, and then every year, my, my playing time kind of went up from there. And like I said, I was crazy. I was probably annoying to my coaches because the assistant coach was like my best friend. Every practice, I was like, can we train before? Can we train after? Can we train before? Can we train after? Hell yeah. Um, can we watch video? So like I definitely definitely now being a coach, I like I annoyed the crap out of them. Do you have do you have any players now that remind you of you? You know what? No. Not not at Elon, not at um not at Franklin. A little bit, but not that type of personality. Actually, I do. There's a girl that I work with, actually we just texted her this morning. There's a girl that I work with here. She's in 10th grade, I believe 10th grade, or now 11th grade. And she probably will go to a mid-major, but she is like that, like mm-hmm. nonstop. Like, how can I get better? How can I get better? How can I get yeah. better? And like, I love it because I knew I can relate, mm-hmm. but I know that some coaches are probably like, just, just like go away. But oh, yeah. I because I know. And now, what, what do you think you've improved on at Duke as you, you know, as the years went on and you earned more and more minutes? Do you think those extra sessions, are there things in particular that you think that you improved on to earn yourself playing time? Yes. Um, my first touch was shocking when I was in high school. I'm like, even in college, like even the pros, like my first touch was always bad. Um, but what I did find was a niche that 
in women's soccer is is like kind of rare, which shouldn't be, but heading and winning balls out of the air. Yeah. Um, and like I knew I was good at it and I was tall and I was good at it in high school. And then I just like made sure that I won literally everything right. in college. So because girls don't want I mean, I don't know about guys, but like girls really don't want to hit the ball. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but like I was just I was heading 40 balls a game and like concussed for everything. I don't really want to head a ball, so I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so but I was that that's that's kind of where things changed for me because nobody was really passing it to my feet or expecting me to keep possession Uh but I was winning tackles I was winning balls out of the air and I was heading everything so Uh that's kind of how my uh, my I got more playing time and that's how my game developed because I found something I was really good at and I just tried to expose myself to those situations and then Uh whenever whenever we had to like keep possession or like we were moving up the field or whatever like that was not me I was like nowhere to be found and, and you you played forward correct you were yes, like a target played, striker so I was recruited as a outside back okay and then I played in the back my sophomore year then played holding mid my junior year when I did get to play I played like mm-hmm. half a game my junior year and it was really because I was just winning balls right. and then um and then my senior and fifth year I played midfield and forward but they I really just play in the boxes like yeah. they would, whether it, like, that's literally was my game. Like when we were mm. in a box, I was like lighting up, like when we were in the 18 defensively or in the attack, like that was, that was those are my sweet spots. So, so set, uh, set pieces yeah. and stuff. It's getting played into you. That's, that's the game plan for like, yeah. yep. Anything it, in the air, any punt, any goal kick. It was like find Kim's head. Or that's super cool though, that you like yeah. found that niche. And then you were just like, you were like, all right, well, I'm going to make this the best you know, the best version of this I can be. And then that's how I'm going to earn my spot. Yes, it was now looking back and like coaching, like, I think it was like surprisingly mature of me. Mm-hmm. I yeah. didn't think in the moment, but now I'm like, okay, you know, I actually like, I didn't try to be, I mean, yeah, I tried to be good at the things I wasn't good at, but right. like. But I you're realistic. Oh, you're realistic. So you can see your, you can see your, the other, your teammates and you're, you're just on a different level at certain things, but you saw also that there was a hole and you feel the void. Exactly. And I always talk about this still to this day with, um, with one of my best friends, Kate, because she was the opposite of me. She like played with the giant knee brace, but like had the vision, like no other, but couldn't run. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, if it was like get Kate the ball because she's going to assist to someone or like, she's going to keep possession for you. Or like, she's going to play whatever role you want that involves like soccer smarts. And I'm just going to be like defend for her and basically get her the ball. Yeah. And so did you guys have like a relationship like this? Yeah. With like, you kind of play like a double another, six or something. Another player of on, uh, there was multiple players, but like we, we all linked up very well, but yeah, we, we talked about it all the time. That's amazing. We talked about it. We were like, okay, I'll do this for you. But I still would get mad at her when she wouldn't work hard. And, right. or like, not even work hard because she was always working hard. I would still get mad at her when she wouldn't run. But, and right. she still would get mad at me when I couldn't connect the pass. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, that competition. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Kim, coming back to like, you, you made this point that some people that you trusted and respected, coaches and stuff, they seemed to kind of doubt you to go to Duke and said, oh, maybe this is a stretch. Now, as a high schooler, that's got to be like something that can kind of either kill your confidence or inspire you. Do you feel like it was the latter? It just kind of gave you motivation to try harder? Um, 
Yeah. And like, and what they said really mattered to me. Mm. And I thought about it. And like, even my parents were like, go to Hofstra and nothing against Hofstra, but like, it was like Hofstra or Duke. And they, my parents said it mostly because of the money. Um, mm. And I wouldn't have had to pay for college if I had gone to Hofstra. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, it, like I doubted myself kind of, but I also was like, no, this is what I want. So mm. it, didn't, it didn't really matter what anyone else was saying because once I went to campus and I went on a visit, I'm like, nope, this is, this is what I want. I'm going to do what I can to get there. Um, Do you feel like you've always been pretty self-assured like that where it was kind of like, you know, you'll hear what they're saying, but at the end, like, this is my choice. Yeah. And selfish for sure. (laughs) Hey, that can Um, be, that can be a great thing though. Like, yeah, but also realistic. I mean, I also know when my parents tell me like, or my mom is always like, oh, great job. Or like, that was a great game. Or like, oh, you should be playing or you should this. I know that she's not realistic. You know, (laughs) you you, you have those people where you're like, okay, I can listen to like, yeah, she makes me feel good. But at the same time, I know that she doesn't really know the whole situation Uh, or like the action she's going to be playing. Uh Um, But I, I say like what I just said, but I don't necessarily believe that if a coach that you value tells you, you probably shouldn't, like you probably won't succeed at that level that you shouldn't listen to them. Like that's definitely not my message because I think that you need to be realistic. So like if Mm -hmm. a coach tells you like, you know, maybe, maybe that level is not someone that you value, maybe that level is not for you or you shouldn't like, I think that I'm an exception to the rule. And like, I know that it's like a, I don't know. I don't want to be like, sound too confident by saying that, but I don't see players that have the same path as me, especially Mm. when they start out when they're like injured and like, you know, you're probably not going to play. You weren't recruited here. You're a walk-on. Majority of the time, like if you're not recruited to a school and you don't get money to a school and they are not really going to value you, like you're probably not good enough to play. Yeah. That's kind of the hint. Yeah. So that's, it is interesting when I have those conversations with, like I speak to, to girls club teams or college teams like all the time and I have those conversations and I'm like it's hard to balance like kind of what happened to me but because that doesn't actually happen majority of the time right now do you put it down to like some luck or do you feel like it was more just that will and you knocking on the coach's door to do the extra trainings and do the extra things and you don't see that in the players yeah in college it wasn't luck okay I don't don't think in college it was and I also think you manifest your own luck right like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, yeah, for me, it was, it was almost like even, even my senior year when I had scored like in the first, maybe five games, I had like eight goals or something. Like I had a, I had a a decent amount of goals and our, um, we had, there was a U20 world cup and two of our forwards had came back, come back from the U20 world cup, like a starting center forward that I was now in her position. Mm-hmm. And when I got back, my coach was literally like, he's like, I don't want to start you because this is literally a national team player coming back. He's like, but you scored too many goals. I can't not. So yeah. like she had to come in off the bench yeah. and like, it just, so I don't necessarily think it was like, Oh, like all of a sudden, like it, everything parted. And it was like, Oh, Kim's going to play now. Like even when I was playing and scoring goals, it was like coach was conflicted because mm-hmm. there were some mm-hmm. players that were not on fields that like, he needed to get on the field in some capacity because they yeah. were good enough, but it was they weren't going to take my spot. Mm. Yeah, can't rest. But also, too, like I think it's important to note that the boys' team that you were playing with, like the Terminators and the Aces, 
these mm-hmm. were top level clubs like in their yeah, respective sure. groups and these players were going to big d1 schools for sure so like that's not the listeners need to realize like when kim said she was playing with the boys it wasn't just like some high school team like these are top players going to top colleges so yeah. i feel like you growing up with them and playing with them since you were in ninth grade that was like the new normal. And then when you, I would imagine when you go into a girls team, things are just slower, right? You don't have, they're not these athletes. And maybe in your head, everything is just so much slower. So then maybe this suits your game a bit better. And also you need to play physically with the guys. And I feel like playing with you, you are, you do play very physically, but maybe in the girls game, that's like on a whole new level. And that probably suits you really well. Definitely. Honestly, the, the most uncomfortable, like I feel the biggest preparation was how like training with the boys team in high school prepared me like mentally for college soccer. Because if you think about going to a session every single day, knowing that like, like you're, you're going to be probably the worst or the least fit or the least strong and like still trying to scrape and survive like without and like and these guys were like a lot of them are my friends like Jimmy was my boyfriend in high school and college like Mm -hmm. and and they would not like they would kick the crap out of me like they would make fun of me they would like all like I was literally like if I wasn't performing if I was playing poorly I remember one five-a-side game we like lost pretty bad and like everyone was like Kim it was all your fault like we don't want you on our team next time and they were like dead ass serious because it was like fitness at the end and like Mm. And I can't even, I don't know, it probably happened again and again, but like at some point I got better. And then I felt really good about myself when in college, after I graduated, I went back to play with Duke men's team to train with them. So I trained with the women and the men's team, Mm -hmm. um, which was awesome that they let me do that. And at men's team sessions, when it was smaller sided games, I was actually okay. Like I was actually good. Um, Maybe a good strong word I was decent mm-hmm. um it wasn't until when we, then when you get to the bigger games when we went like 10 to 10 I was like it was hard for me yeah but when we would play four aside or five aside um or even I remember a couple like crossing finishing um mm. exercises where I was like oh actually like I'm okay here yeah um so that was that was kind of cool yeah awesome I mean it, it's just kind of like hard work pays off because you put in at such a young age, always putting yourself in an environment where you are the worst or one of the worst and then leaving training that day, but then the next day going back there and knowing it's going to be the same situation, but continuing to go back and getting better and better every time. And I think that shows where your mentality is and why you've succeeded um, after college. I mean, so in Duke, you had some personal and also your team did quite well. Mm -hmm. Wasn't there some accolades that you guys got? Yeah, we, um, in 2011, we lost in the national final on nothing to Stanford. So it's like, you know, you feel really good about it, but at the same time, it's like the worst. The worst, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you experience a college cup. Um, and then, uh, and then lose. Uh, but it was, it was awesome. Uh, 2011 was, I had a good season towards the end, um, and uh, I scored in the semifinal, the first goal of the semifinal, which was unbelievable because it's probably the biggest crowd we ever played against, like, or we ever had in college. Mm. Um, and that was just, like, a crazy feeling. And it was the shittiest goal ever. You can find it. I could send it to you after this. It was like, I think I remember this goal. It was we should just make a pro- promo video with just this goal. Just the, <laughs> yeah, just it was this off goal. Of the corner, 
and um, the ball like bounced in front of me. I hit it with my left foot. It hit off like eight people and trickled in the goal. It was but like, you, you, and I'm like trying to look through people's legs and see if it actually went in. But you celebrated like you, you know, scored a wonder goal, right? Um, my celebrations are pretty bad. What are they, Kim? If like, I remember correctly, it's just hands up. Yeah. I feel like you guys, I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to send you a link and you just react to it because. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I like this. For me. Mm-hmm. Um, because my, I would get made fun of so. So it wasn't hard. running to the corner and doing a backflip. Um, no. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> um, but no, I'm going to send, I'm going to send you this because it's pretty. Like I could have done so much better with the celebration. <laughs> you look back at this now, so disappointed yeah. on the celebration. I am, be- but like it was just such pure like emotion, I- and I couldn't oh, react. Cool. And I was like the most awkward human ever. You might have to skip through the beginning, but my celebrations literally, my arms just flailed in the air. Like there was no, there was no. If you wanna, <laughs> how far in is it? Let's see. Um, let's see. Can edit out this. Is that a company to the midfield as a quality reserve? And blossoming last year at one of the okay, one of them is good, actually. Hold on, I'm gonna find it. Number 19. Okay, okay, I got it. Um, at like 124. Okay. okay. Like that's how bad it was. Okay, That's I'm good. excited now. Cross oh, goes big in. crowd. Hits it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just pure emotion, it's just, though. It's just pure emotion. And then, like, most of them were just that. Uh-huh. Of just, like, mm. you know, I could it could have been so much cooler. I could have had like, so many more yeah, cool if we If we could run it back, what so, are you doing? You just scored. Like, you've thought about it maybe a little bit. So, like, what are you doing now? Um, probably like airplane, like, you know, like something like cool like that, or like, like not just not that what I did. <laughs> so needless to say, you didn't all that extra training you did. You never trained a celebration. No, no. <laughs> so, and I got made fun of bad. Everyone was like, you could, you could do so much better with your celebrations. Ah, oh, haters, haters are going to hate. I know. And I'm like, I don't even think about it. It's like, hard. even if I would have planted ahead, I would not think about it. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. This is um, awesome. I'm like reliving such good times. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we do here at Footwork. <laughs> um, so then, so then after college, how did you, or why did you can decide that you wanted to pursue the professional game, or how did that happen? Um, I knew, like, really, once I got to college, that I wanted to play for as long as I possibly could. Mm. Um, and uh, so there was no question there. I was gonna, I was gonna try, and mm. that's kind of when I was like, okay, am I good enough? Um, to play at the professional level because that was the second it was the second draft of the NWSL um, I didn't know if I was gonna get drafted or not because it was my senior year where I had scored a ton of goals and was kind of on like the radar but then my fifth year I went back to playing in the midfield so I didn't score as much we didn't have as good of a season um, so I kind of fell off a little bit but I was drafted second to last and um, I was drafted to the Boston Breakers but it was still like probably one of the best days of my professional career. That's awesome. So did you get a call or like, how did it? I actually was there because I was always interested in coaching 
that mm. North Carolina Soccer Association actually sent me to the convention because they and like they paid for that and my e-license because they knew that I wanted to get into coaching and I had gone to school in North Carolina and whatever. So I was there sitting awkwardly being like, am I going to get drafted or not? And it's actually kind of funny because um, so Crystal Dunn, who is on the national team now, played at Carolina. She's actually from Rockville Center and I grew up with her playing with her against her. She was drafted first and we were sitting with each other at the draft. And she waited and like a couple of like the Carolina girls literally waited and like crossed our fingers, hope for the best. And like, I was drafted second to last. So it's like three hours later where they were like, it's going to be the next one. It's going to be the next one. (laughs) This one, I swear. Um, But yeah, she was drafted first. And like, there's me rolling in like 34th or something, 35th pick. Um, But no, it was, it was unbelievable. It's, it's crazy how different now the draft is and how it's like a giant ballroom or whatever. Like then it was literally a classroom. It was like, we were in a classroom. (laughs) They called your name. You went out, like said, Hey, took a picture behind like the little Boston breaker screen. And like, Uh it was so amateur that like you could see the sides of the walls and like, you know, (laughs) it was like, um, but it was, it was pretty cool. Um, And then I played with them for a couple months um, and, uh, I wasn't getting to play. I actually went to play with them as a center back and it was, it was not going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, during that time I knew that I wasn't really going to get to play and I, uh, inquired to play overseas. And that's when I got connected with a Swedish club. And actually I got a contract from Boston and from Eskilstuna United in Sweden on the same day. And I wow. chose Sweden. Yeah. Cause in Boston, it was like, I didn't sign a contract right away. They were like, okay, you'll play with our developmental team. You'll mm-hmm. train with the first team. Mm-hmm. Um, I got called up to a couple of games, but I didn't actually sign a contract. Mm-hmm. But I think kind of because they also knew that I was going to leave and they were like, okay, wait a second. But yeah, I received both of those contracts in the same day. And I said, I'm going to go to Sweden. And that's my, where my international career started. Awesome. Well, Dylan here played in Sweden. You guys Where'd can bond over that. I was, um, so the first year I was like close to Udebrew. Mm-hmm. So where did you play? Eskilstuna. Okay. Where is that? It's an hour west of Stockholm. Okay. So it's like in between. Or fifth division Swedish team. Okay. So yeah, the first year I was there. And then the second year I was like probably an hour outside of Gothenburg. Mm-hmm. So I was more on that side, but. I mean, well, we played. Like- I mean, we played both. They have the women's women's teams on both. Mm-hmm. Um, and the yeah. Yeah, of course. And did you like Sweden? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I did. did you- um, I loved my team because mm-hmm. so the connection was actually a weird connection. Um, a former summer league teammate of mine, Vela, uh, played at St. John's. I'm an English girl, and she was the captain of the team. At, and she's a couple years older, so she was. She's actually still there. She's been there quite a while. Wow, um, that's she amazing. Lives in um, is married, uh, and they actually, her and her wife just had a baby, which is really cool. Um, but they were, we were all teammates. So her and her wife, and like they met on the team, like it was really cool. Um, so uh, yeah, she called me and was like, hey, like I know you're kind of interested. She had contacted me prior to the draft as well. Um, she's like, well, we're looking for another forward. Um, would you be interested? And then it all kind of worked out. So that was cool that I knew her um, going into it. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
we had another Irish girl, um, Lou, who actually played for Arsenal for a bunch of years. And wow. um, now she's at Florentino, I believe. Hmm. Um, she's on the Irish national team. We had um, Gail um, and Ganamalit is her last name. And she plays in the Cameroonian national team. I'm not sure where she is now. Um, and we had Alicia Chapman, who is, uh, she's a Canadian. She's on the Canadian national team. She's in, I think she's at Houston now. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, so it was a really cool. And then a bunch of awesome Swedish girls, mm-hmm. um, that have played in Sweden for a while. Some are still even there. Just wow. Cool. That's yeah. I love. And, um, I, you mentioned Arsenal. Didn't you have like a training thing with Chelsea at some point or a trial or something like that? Yeah. So, um, so with Long Island Rough Riders, um, Emma Hayes, who's now the head coach at Chelsea doing an awesome job, unbelievable coach. Um, she, uh, she used to coach in the U S and she's coached in the WPSL, I believe WPS. Yeah. WPS and maybe WPSL. Um, and, uh, some people at Rough Riders had a bit of a connection. They were like, and I knew I couldn't get a visa. I couldn't play in England because you have to have mm-hmm. that. That's the toughest thing. You guys know it's next to impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, um, my friend, you know, Heather O'Reilly, you know, she is, she played Carolina. Mm-hmm national team so she even had issues getting to arsenal and she has like 200 national team caps right. uh, so yeah it was no chance for for me to ever play there but they arranged a uh, they arranged me to just go train there for two and a half weeks so i went out so to Chelsea in, in cobham and um it was awesome and i actually had a really good two and a half weeks um but uh yeah it was like, it was just an experience. Like, I think yeah. I was just like, they're like, ah, there's just an American training with us. Like the girls were great. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was just really, really cool. That's so I, sick. Like, I, paid, I paid my flight. They, they housed me. Uh-huh. So it was a bit of my own, uh, my own kind of thing of development. I was like, why, why not? If I get this invite. Yeah, I mean, alone. Like, yeah. How could you say no? Yeah. And when I knew I couldn't, well, at the time I was, uh, I can get my Italian passport. And at the time I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. but it's a process and it is a process yeah. yeah and i was like i knew i wanted to play in the u.s after that so i was like yeah yeah mm-hmm. just do it for now but yeah. i want to come back to sweden because i'm still i mean sean doesn't understand the swedish way so i, w- I was interested if you learned any swedish along your time there i did but gosh like i mean the the, <laughs> the pronunciation says, everyone says bra all the time like, bra yeah honestly like everyone's english was just so good that really it was like please thank you and they like to repeat hello like hi hi yeah hey, hey. <laughs> talk talk yep um and yeah i didn't I kind of the, the mentality I went into Sweden wasn't as mature, I think, as the mentality I went into when I played in the Netherlands because mm-hmm. it was my first international experience. Like I just kind of went in like, okay, soccer is everything. And I want to use this to get me at a better spot to play in the NWSL. So I was really like, okay, I'll just use this as a little pit stop and then go back to the U S. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that I necessarily embraced everything that like the location and the city had to offer. Like I explored, of course, I got to know my teammates, but, um, Uh but going abroad for the second time, I was like, okay, I want to make, and also it was longer. I was like, I was there, I was in Holland for almost a year. So I was like, I have to make a life here Mm -hmm. rather than in Sweden. I was like, okay, just get soccer done. 
Right, right, uh, right. And I genuinely think that you are, and you guys probably can attest to this. I genuinely think you're happier when you like find a life where you, where you. Yeah. yeah like you enjoy it. Like we say it all the time, like, dude, we're living in Germany. Like, what? yeah. Like, yeah. This is crazy. But like, it's hard. And, and it's especially hard now with social media because everyone looks and it's like, oh, they're at this beautiful place and they're playing at this beautiful place and this mm-hmm. beautiful place. And it like makes playing abroad look so fantastic and easy. And like mm-hmm. it is, but it's hard too, because you don't have a life there. You don't have friends outside of soccer. Like you have yeah. to yeah. be active and make those friends and like create your, your world again. When like, yeah. People struggle and I always think it's a, there's a two month slump and you guys can tell, you guys have been abroad for a while, but like mm-hmm. after two months, it's not new anymore. And you're like, okay, this is my life. Now what? And it's kind of like a two week depression and both, both locations. I had it. Really? And, and the I first two weeks now, the first two months, No, two months, after two months, after two months, the first month, everything is new. The second yeah. month you're like, you're still getting to know people. Mm-hmm. It's like you're adjusting or whatever. And then you start to realize like, okay, this is the, this is my life but I just have soccer. Maybe you're a little bit tired. Like I picked up an injury, like a minor injury. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, it was, then you're, I got a little bit like sad, like, okay, I kind of miss home. And then your social media just screws everything up anyway. Cause you look at home and you're like, Oh, everyone's having fun. And meanwhile, right. Um, but, uh, but I do think like, obviously playing abroad is unbelievable, but it's not, it's not easy and it's not for everyone being in a location. I totally agree. I mean, I think like people underestimate, like when you do take these international contracts that you can't just like, it's not a summer camp that you're just going for like a couple of weeks, you know, like you got to go and make a life there. Otherwise, like you said, it can be, you're on your phone looking at what everyone's doing in the summer and you're thinking, oh man, this isn't fun anymore, you know, and it just makes your presence so much worse. I think that's a, a big thing that people have to understand before they go out and, and really pursue, like if it's meant for them, like you have to make your life there. Right. 100% agree. I have, uh, there's a, a friend, I guess a friend of mine, she just graduated from college. I got to know her fairly recently, but I feel like a lot of the girls going to play internationally find me somehow in like, Hey, what does, what should a contract look like? Hey, like, what should I expect? Or what's the level or whatever? Um, and she went to play in Sweden, um, at, uh, got Gothenburg or I said, what do you, how do you say it? I say Gothenburg, but I feel like it's, I've heard it. I don't know. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> We're not sweet. Um, We're probably both saying it wrong. <laughs> and she texted me probably two weeks ago. And she's like, you were right about the two month slump. Like literally said, she's like, you're right. Like, this is what's going on. And like, I thought it was going to be so much, uh, she's like, the soccer's great, but I thought it was going to be so much more like fun like what you see on social media and like yes it's fun but like you kind of have to stick it out for a little bit longer so you get so you just get established mm-hmm. yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah i mean now that i think of that i mean it was a little different for me when i came to germany mongolia was a whole its own thing because that was just craziness <laughs> <laughs> but with germany I came here without anything. I had nothing, no trials, no nothing. I thought I did, but I did. I came here and realized that there was nothing waiting for me. So then the guy that I was staying with was luckily able to call a few teams and like got some things in line, like a few trials in line. But then like the weather wasn't, wasn't good. So I couldn't even play, but probably for the first month, I didn't go anywhere other than his apartment, like the supermarket down the road and to, to training. Like I didn't see the city. 
until I basically got a contract. And my mindset at the time was like, no, I just got to rest and make sure I'm ready for training. But like looking back now, like it's not a bad thing to go out and relax and get your mind off the game because when you're on trial, it's just like constant pressure. I need to perform today. I need to perform today. Where just go into this downtown and just have a cup of coffee, sit at a cafe. I mean, Europe, like that's what we love to do now. But like the first probably month or two, I never left. I was either in the apartment or at training and that was it. And there was no interaction with anyone else. And I can see how this two month slump, I don't know if I really had it because I also moved like five times in six months. So, <laughs> so it was always something new. Like it was, I'm living in a new area now. So now I got to find this new area. Um, maybe that had something to do with it. And because of this, it was always in like, I was living with people that weren't related to soccer. So cool. through, this, cool. through this, I made friends along the way. So it was like these random friend groups that I would have never, ever met. But I just happened to be renting this room out for one month. And the kid that you know, I'm living with happens to be, for example, a huge Dortmund fan, has season tickets on the, on the wall. And then it's just like, now I meet his friends. And then it just like, I've heard from like many podcasts too. It's like always important when you go somewhere new and like you're living there, it's a new life. You need to create, you need to meet people. Mm-hmm. Like, don't just sit inside. If you have the opportunity to go out and meet someone, of course, the day before a game and stuff, you need to be smart. But if you have an opportunity, an invitation to go out and do something, like do it. Don't sit inside because like I, like you said, if you just sit inside and don't experience it, when you leave, you're like, what did I do? Like I did nothing. I was living in a foreign country and you were, I, didn't, you were, I didn't get to see it. You were on summer camp, winter camp by yourself. I was yourself. on winter camp by myself <laughs> for at least two months, literally. And uh, yeah, I think that that's something that definitely I would tell people that you should experience it because who knows, I might not even ever, like for example, Come in back. Portugal, I was in Lisbon for like three weeks and I never saw the city that time. Mm-hmm. Never went to the city. Mm-hmm. And this trial was a complete joke and we wound up training three times. That was it. And I never saw the city, which was 20 minutes away from where I was. And yeah. I never saw it. Now I went back there uh, recently, but like that, like, I can't believe I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Like it was a 20 minute train ride and I never went. Yeah. So I wound up being nothing. Happened. I got nothing. And yeah. So I think. That's an interesting concept, this two-month slump. Did you feel that at all? I felt it when I first went to Australia, yeah. I can't remember if it was two months, but I, when you described the feeling, I remember that being like, because some things weren't like how I expected them to be in terms of like the level or the team or the living conditions. And once you kind of get that sniff of like, oh, I'm not really pro, you know, or as pro as it looks on Instagram, you know, right, it's kind right. of like then you start saying like, oh, is this really like what I want to do? And it, it tests you. Like, did you, did you have that in Sweden or was it kind of like? Um, in Sweden, I felt it because I, like I said, I picked up an injury. So I was out for like three weeks mm. and it was getting cold and there was less light. It was like sun rose at 9.30 and set at 3.30. It was, oh, you know, Sweden it was that crazy. time where I was like, okay, um, I'm not training right now. Um, it's dark. Extra, it's dark all the time. Um, so I think that that also didn't help the process. And I met some people that I still keep in contact with that are like outside of soccer, just a, mm-hmm. a family. Like, mm-hmm. um, But I definitely learned my lesson when I went to Holland and I had a completely different experience with um, just with like, 
living there and like mm. properly living there. Mm. So how did you go from Sweden to Holland? How did that materialize? So I was then in the U.S. for three years. So there was three years in between the Swedish and... Yeah, okay. so I came, back, I came back from Sweden um, and then I went, uh, I went on trial with Kansas City, which doesn't exist anymore. Now it's um, what Utah bought them over. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went on trial with Kansas City. I was there for a month and then Sky Blue called me in Jersey and said, hey, we want to offer your contract. So I packed up my bags. I moved to Sky Blue and then actually kind of funny, five days later, flew back to Kansas City because we were opening up against Kansas City. So I literally knew my Kansas back. City teammates better than, like, I don't even think I knew everyone's name on Sky Blue. And like, when we were, we had like two practices and they were like, yeah, we're, you're traveling back with us. And I was like, perfect. I can pack up the rest of my apartment because in Kansas City, it was awesome. Like, even though I didn't sign a contract right away, they like gave me an apartment. I had my own, I was like wow. living by myself mm-hmm. in a, in a nice apartment. So I like was kind of starting to get settled a little bit, but I knew mm-hmm. I still needed to sign. Um, but, uh, yes, the situation was interesting. And then I played about two and a half, almost three full seasons with sky blue. And then late 2017, I wasn't getting to play. So like in the U S I didn't really get to play that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I wasn't good enough and I was too injured. So like, you know, how like, I feel like you probably have friends that are, that maybe not might not be good enough, but they managed to stay healthy for five years and now are playing and doing well. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how it happens, but I have a ton of friends that are like come from mid majors and they work their butts off and they get to stay healthy and stay consistent. And then they finally get their kind of break or their mm-hmm. team that they fit in. Um, I was completely opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I wasn't, I wasn't quite good. I was good enough to be on a roster, but then I was always getting injured. So I like, mm. just wasn't just wasn't working out so I played maybe 15 games in two and a half seasons at sky blue um some good ones Mm -hmm. uh but uh and I did score a goal but it didn't count because the referees are dumb ball went over the line (laughs) Uh the header hit the crossbar bounced in you can clearly see it's like this far in Uh referees like no goal and like that's the only goal I scored in the NWSL um but yeah I wasn't playing 2017 I was like you know what either I go abroad or I continued to not play and I wanted to continue my career. Uh, so, uh, so I started to inquire about teams abroad. I actually signed with uh, Glasgow City in Scotland. Mm. They were in Champions League and I was uh, going to get them. Yeah. And then, so Americans have gone there before, but Americans who just leave college go there. So they're able to get there on a tourist visa. So four days before I was about to fly out, they were like, we're having trouble with getting you a tourist visa because you're a professional. So Uh, if you from college, they kind of let it slide. But if you literally are a professional and like have been playing professionally, they don't see it as that. So then I had, so that's a few days before you fly out. Is it you get that news? Yeah. We're having some trouble. So didn't wind up obviously getting on the plane and then they were like, we're, we can't make this work. A couple of days later, they're like, you know, it's, it's not going to work. And I, we tried everything. So I wasn't going to go back to sky blue. So I had three weeks where I woke up at 5am every morning because, you know, Europe is later, um, like the times later. So I woke up super early and just kept making calls and sending emails and making calls and sending emails. And um, I spoke to Love it. Florida state's head coach who he has helped me so much um he's uh we played against them obviously every year in the acc 
Um, but he was like, Hey, like I'll, I'll make a phone call for you. Um, I always did well against them. So he was, he was <laughs> um, we always lost, but I always did. I always scored or did well. Um, he made a phone call and then like two days later, Dutch team called me and said, Hey, you want to come in? Uh, we'll look to sign you. We'll go, we'll set it up for like a, like a trial week. And then, so basically I signed the contract and then the first week was a trial and then the contract just continued. So like mm-hmm. we negotiated it. I don't know if you guys have had that, but like, no, no. So like you were it. signed and it didn't matter how the trial went or. So in, in the trial is um, sorry, in the contract is a 10 day under these conditions kind of thing. Okay. So like both of us, either side could break the contract within the first 10 days. I so see. Okay. Okay. Inside. Um, but yeah, that was, and I said, they called me and I said like, yes, on the spot on the first phone call. <laughs> And, um, and yeah, and I was like, I just committed to, to a year playing abroad. And like, I was like, all right, well, I, le- I like left maybe a week later. And, um, so I played for PSV Eindhoven. My jersey's actually up there. Hell yeah. Not, not a small Ma- club. No, that's a massive club. No, they, they were good. And I was the first American there. That's cool. So I, um, got, got lucky in that aspect, but also like they're in champions league this year. So I'm kind of feeling a little jealous. <laughs> That's so crazy. But, so what was that yeah. like, like coming was, did you feel like the level when you, when you got into PSV was different than sky blue? Like, do you feel like it was another notch or. Um, level in the Netherlands is, is lower. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I also play is a little bit different. Um, so I got to, I mean, I played every minute, for the first six games and then I broke my leg. So I was out for six months. Yeah, after. Yeah, so like, like I said, like I, I had a, had a, I would say a successful kind of professional career because I enjoyed it, but like I also set the bench and was injured for half of it. Um, so uh, levels just, it's different. A lot slower, mm-hmm. younger. I was like a 26 and 27. And I was like pretty much one of the oldest players on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, that was the one situation where I went in, I knew nobody, mm. uh, but my boyfriend's Dutch and his family was over there. Oh. So, and they were an hour away. So that was actually cool because I was able to meet his family and hang out with them like consistently. And they came to all my games and, mm-hmm. um, or the six games. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved it a lot. And like now I, I went, already went back to visit. We'll go back to visit. It's nice now because when we go back. I have my friends that I go and see and I don't just have to hang out with right, like right. the people that he knows. Like I literally, I probably know more people in the Netherlands now than he does. Right. It's amazing. That's so um, sick. How long were you there for? I was there for like 10 months. Okay. months. Yeah. So like a full season essentially. Yeah. So, okay. but I was out for six. So you were out for six months. Yeah. Um, I actually have a really good story about me breaking my leg. Um, oh, I was going to say, yes, good story. And then you said breaking your leg. And I just. But, but no, it's a good story following that. Okay. Uh, so uh, it was our sixth game. We were playing against Ajax. And there was like three and a half thousand people there. And like you guys know those small stadiums, three and a half thousand people. It's, like, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I can also send you this video because you can hear my leg breaking. But. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so um, it was second half. I think we were either we were up one nothing or tied. I had an assist. It was it was awesome. Like everything was going well, uh, um, and we were playing really really well. And a girl came in, slide tackle, uh, and literally it was my leg was in the air, so it was on contact, like on contact only, 
that broke my leg. So I wasn't planted. So like every- She must've came in so hard. Yes. Well, also I was blindsided. So like I had turned and it wasn't, it wasn't a foul. I'm saying it now because she did win the ball, but like, I didn't see her coming. So you know how you brace for impact or you jump over your leg. Or or you move your leg a little bit in the other way. Totally didn't know. So I was full speed running at the ball and my leg was in the air. And most times when you break your leg or when people break their leg, it's planted. Someone comes in and like you get that. But mine was like, literally, if you were to take a red pen and draw a little dash on my shin, you could see it. Like you, that was, that was the little dash. Okay. And then in the x-ray, it literally my, my tibia, just a straight line across my tibia. So like it broke on contact and I didn't have stress fracture or anything. Um, and, uh, this is a long story. Sorry. Um, and I, of course, like I'm very dramatic when I get injured. So like I go into tackles hard, but I'm also like a crier screamer and like I'm just dramatic (laughs) and I'm now admitting it when in the past I wouldn't admit it, but it's true. Um, so I was like screaming on the floor. Like I broke my leg. I broke my fucking leg. Like I was, I was not, and the, the, uh, the physio comes over and is like, no, like maybe it was just from a tackle. Like it was just, you're fine. Like maybe you didn't. I'm like, no, it's broken. It's broken. I'm like talking about insurance. Cause like my insurance didn't go through yet. They're like, this is Europe. Don't worry about your insurance. Um, <laughs> this is different. So, like, it's not like the United States where like, you're going to go on, like you're going to get screwed by your ambulance bill. Hmm. Uh, so ambulance came and they don't give pain meds. Like, I mean, I'm sure you guys have, I don't know if you've experienced any injuries there, but like, I wasn't, I didn't get payments. I got Tylenol and ibuprofen. And like, mm-hmm. I'm laying there with like a broken shin, like then taking off my cleats and cutting off my stock and everything because I no, they could see nothing. Right. Like they are literally like, there's this little red dash along your shin and like, I'm screaming in pain and like mm-hmm. nothing, nothing's tweaked or like to them, it looks literally normal. And yeah. I'm like, Oh, like it's broken come back x-ray and got really lucky because my shin didn't move so they didn't have to put a pin through it like they didn't have, so they were basically like okay if we can put you in a cast for two weeks up to your hip and like you literally don't move then like it can start to heal and like but if it moves then I would have had to had surgery but I was lucky like it literally didn't move for it was the most painful thing I've ever experienced I thought I was gonna die um but the better part of the story is when I was healthy at PSV, I was found myself talking to one of the men's coaches and I'm just pretty social. And he was like, yeah, I just got into the U S with my family for three weeks. And I'm like, Oh, like, that's awesome. He coached the U19s and was a little bit with the first team. And I'm like, Oh, like, like, what's your name? And he's like, Oh, Van Nistelrooy. And I was like, Oh, like, I was like, awesome. Like, where did you play? Like, did you play? Where did you play? Yeah. He's like, I played at Real and just United and then here at PSV. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, what's your name? He's <laughs> 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 like, oh, okay. Like, whatever. I go and tell my team. They're like, you're a dumbass. Like, you didn't know who he was. I'm like, no, I didn't know. Like, He probably I'm, loved that though. Like, he yeah. probably loved that you probably were the like first fan person ever. Oh, this is like the budding of a great friendship. So, <laughs> so then I break my leg and he sends me a text and is like, Hey, like, just want to see how you're doing because it was, because there are so many people at the game and like the club is like pretty small, even though like you guys are like, say it's big, like the environment where we train at, like everything's small, everyone knows each other. So like mm. everyone knew that I was the American, the, the first American on the women's side that broke her leg and that everybody heard it and saw it and the ambulance came, blah, blah, blah. Um, so he was like, Hey, like, just want to check in. How are you doing? Um, 
And he's like, did I send you anything? And I'm like, no, um, what do you mean? Send me anything? Like, and then, uh, and then they had sent like two days later, they had sent like flowers or whatever. And he said he had called, he had called whoever he called at the club and was like, yo, you guys need to be like more appropriate and like send something like wow. player broker, like whatever. Um, so, uh, that was cool. And then he always was just checking in and be like, Hey, do you need anything? And in the beginning, and the women's team has come a huge way, but in the beginning, um, when I was there, they, we just saw regular doctors, like we had our physio. Um, but when we had, to, we didn't see the men's doctors, basically, mm-hmm. like we just went, like, I went to the hospital, I saw a hospital doctor and he was like, you're going to be out for the rest of the season when he didn't even know how long the season was. You know, like he was just like, okay, you broke your leg, like throw it in a cast and see how it goes. Like, Mm -hmm. let's just wait wait for it to heal. And of course that's not my MO. So I was like, well, I want to see a sports doctor. I want to see the men's doctor. Why wouldn't I see the same doctor as the men's team? Um, So I kept pushing for a couple of weeks, like two week and a half on our team. And, you know, like everyone's a little bit hesitant around um, the men's team because it's the men's team. And on the women's side, you're like, okay, like, we're allowed to have this. We're allowed to have that. But let's not step on anybody's toes. And I'm like, well, let's step on everybody's toes because yeah. I'm sitting here with a broken leg. Like, yeah. you know, like I'm the one in a cast up to my hip. Can't leave my room because like I, so I need to see the doctor. So I called him and I was like, Hey, like, I really want to see the men's doctor. Like, I don't really think that it's fair that, you know, I can't see the same sports doctor as the men and no joke. He texts me back probably a half hour later. He goes, you have an appointment in two hours. I'm like, let's go. And then then I saw the doctor. He was awesome. I got back in five and a half months, like definitely pushed the, pushed the boundaries. And I played like three games after that. Hell yeah. I quit. Rude rude is the plug. Wow. So yeah. So that's my, my Ruben Nistroy story. That might be the coolest story we've had yet on this podcast. I think it is. Yeah, definitely. But do you, do you still have his number? Yeah. I text him every once in a while and say, Hey, just, how are you? Whatever. Um, he, he maybe texted me like six months ago and said, what's going on? How's coaching? How's being a head coach? Um, so sick. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's cool. That's so cool. Let's get him now live. On, let's get him live head. on air. Yeah. <laughs> let's call him. Let's call him right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And then I went back when I went back to visit, I watched some of the men's sessions and that was mm-hmm. cool. So you said, um, I don't want to get off this story, but I feel like it's maybe reached his end. But yeah, um, <laughs> but um, you said that it, it was just different, that the level was a bit lower, but it was different. So can you touch on how like the American style was different from the Dutch or even maybe the Swedish? Yeah. So I feel like in the Netherlands, in Europe in general, like everyone grows up watching soccer. Mm-hmm. So like even if you're bad at it, you like understand it. Okay. And on – like the girls on, on my team at PSV, like they were very good, a little bit slower, a little bit less athletic, but like they understood the game. And in the U S you get away with being an athlete like myself. Mm-hmm. So like I got away with, and, and most players get away with just being really athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was good because I brought that to the Dutch league, but also like I was behind in, um, my ability to read the game. And I think that that's what happens with a lot of American players, because you don't realize how much you learn by watching it until you watch it. Like until I'm a coach now, I don't re- I didn't realize how much I didn't know 
or like how many situations that now are so much easier for me to be able to solve because I actually watch. Well, I don't really watch that much now, but I watch our film. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't pretend like I'm like every game I have on. I do a better job of watching women's soccer, but I, uh, I don't watch enough, but that's mm-hmm. fine because it's like, it's just, I have other interests too. Yeah, um, of course. But you, I definitely could tell the difference with growing up with watching the game and not. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge. Yeah. And um, what do you, I know you had so many injuries throughout your career. What do you, you think it's just bad luck? What do you think that that comes to? I remember you, you once told me, I don't know when this was, but it was still, I think I was in college and I asked you, I don't, I forget what I, the question was, but you answered like saying that you wish that you trained smarter and not harder yeah. because you think right. that you probably injured yourself because you always did too much. And For do you sure. think that has something to do with it? I mean, the breaking yeah. the leg is, that's just unlucky. That one was just, that one was just like, oh, that was bad luck. Talk about yeah. luck. That was like the most unluckiest thing ever. Um, because it was also on my, my right leg, which I've had three knee surgeries. So like the reason why I decided to stop playing was because of breaking my leg, but not necessarily the leg break. It was because it was on the leg that I was just injured in general. Mm. Um, I'm built a little bit differently. Like my right leg is a little bit more valgus, like twisted, like turned in than my Mm. left. Um, but I, and I think that that's what caused a lot of my knee injuries. Um, I think I overtrained at times. But I also think that that was the mindset and that's what I was taught. Mm. Like in college, and you guys might have experienced this as well, when you've had three two-a-days in a row and on your fourth two-a-day, you're about to run a fitness test and you can't finish it. And your coach says it's because you're not fit. It's because you're tired, not because you're not not being fit. And I thought it was because I was not fit because that's what I was being told. Um, And I'm realizing that now, like, okay, it doesn't make sense. Like I was so hard on myself being like, you have to get fitter, you have to get better, blah, blah, blah. Half the time I was tired. Mm -hmm. And some of it had to do with myself and some of it had to do with the way I was taught and the sessions that were being run. But like to have six, nobody should have six practices in three days. Like it's just, it shouldn't ever, ever happen as an adult, even as a kid, like as an adult with the intensity, like it literally shouldn't happen unless those sessions are an hour our bout of time or an hour and 15 and they're very monitored right just a technical session or something like that like I always thought it was because I wasn't fit or because I was not good enough or because but really like half the time I was tired yeah and so you said that this kind of like these injuries kind of forced your hand so after the leg break at PSV is that when you hung up the the plane boots or yeah so at that time I was like I know I want to coach Mm-hmm. And it was actually perfect because there was a coaching change at Elon and I knew I wanted to be in North Carolina and be in Durham. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I called my college coach at the time at Duke and I said, Hey, like, do you know who the head coach is going to be? Like, are they looking for someone else? And then I kind of did my whole interview process and everything over the phone. Um, and uh, so I accepted the position maybe in late April and and, the, and I left the Netherlands in June. So oh, very cool. So it kind of just was like one right after the other. Yeah, and then I and I got home. I went home for like five days, and then I moved to North Carolina. And so, what what certifications did you have? Like, what do you need to be a college coach? <laughs> you need to have connections. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell them like it is. Good, okay. And I say that, but it's true. It's sad, but it's true. But yeah. um, 
yeah, you have to, like, for me, I had connections and I, and the, the role that I was going to fill was, was what Neil Payne at Elon was looking for in the sense of like, you know, someone fresh off the game, like some energy, uh, interested in coaching, like, but I had, I had taken my, uh, got my e-license. Like I was interested. I had always been doing small group, individual sessions, club sessions in Jersey. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't really have too much experience. And then once I actually got into it, that's when I like, I just got my, or a year and a half ago, I got my C license and like going to go for my B. And then I did the CSCS and all of that stuff. But he was looking, I mean, and also the mid-major second assistant, it's like, you're, you're not making that much money. So like, you're going to hire probably someone below the age of 28. Right. Like, but also with your playing resume, I feel like it was probably just like, you know, maybe you didn't have the coaching experience, like the badges and all this, but just where you've played and what you've experienced, I'm sure just, they were like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Definitely helps. Definitely helps. Cause I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that if you can play, you could coach, mm-hmm. No, but for me, it helps. It automatically helps with the team, obviously, because they respect what you say, right. whether or not yeah. you're bullshitting or not. Like they, yeah. they're going to listen. Like our Franklin girls, like they're going to listen to everything because they're like, oh, she knows what she's talking about, even though I might not. Like, <laughs> I just can't. But like, you got to just think, you just got to act like you do. Bro, for sure. Yeah. For sure. What, what's the biggest thing you've learned as a coach now that you're, uh, you're on that side of the game? Oh, gosh. Um, or maybe something that you didn't think about before jumping in as a head coach, because a head coach is a little different than an assistant coach. Assistant yes. coach, sometimes oh. you're like, you know, the in between the coach and the players, where you're just kind of like one of the buddies, but you also kind of relay back to the coach. But a head coach, you know, there's a lot more responsibility. As an assistant, you can say provide like so much like information and feedback and like suggestions you'd be like oh head coach should have done this or like I would have done this if I was a head coach or like mm-hmm. um you just you can you can almost speculate a lot and then as a head coach it's like you got to provide solutions it's like it's you or no or, or like you're gonna fail mm-hmm. like it's um yeah I guess that's a different suggestions versus solutions like head coach mm-hmm. it's you're providing the solutions you're giving everything and with our with our group I'm also their strength coach so like every connection that they have to the athletic department is kind of through me because they're not really working with too many others um right. it's it's definitely more difficult you take things more personally if like if you win a game lose a game all of those things and then a lot of it is just people management mm. and I think um that's a lot of times where coaches struggle or go wrong or have issues and like myself included when you're trying to manage the 25 26 27 people that are adults um to to get them to to be organized be prepared uh, and like have somewhat of good team chemistry and like all of that is, is challenging. I feel, mm-hmm. feel like it's all the expected things. There's nothing too much that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that you're experiencing it, it's just. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, I, I never would have gotten like in, and Neil at Elon and Paul, who's the assistant at Elon said this when like, they were so supportive when, I um I decided to to take this position. They're like, you're gonna learn so much, and it's mm-hmm. so true. As an assistant, you're like, yeah, you learn, but you don't get to do as much mm-hmm. on your program. Like, mm-hmm. 
here it's like I'm literally doing everything and at the division yeah. level you're actually doing it. Yeah. everything that's involved with your program like you do it's your vision yeah yeah Which and is- so like those things that you learned abroad and those differences in the game and stuff do you try and bring that back into the American game so it kind of is like you know it's it's a combination of the athleticism and stuff and then also like what you learned abroad or um not quite yet. Mm-hmm. I would say right now the focus is just making the players we have better and recruiting good players. Mm-hmm. And my philosophy on recruiting definitely has changed because it's so different from the division one level because you can offer scholarship and you can say, I'm, I'm looking for this type of player. I'm looking for this type of player, like mm-hmm. this position, whatever. Here, I feel like it's okay. Who are the best players around? How can we get them? doesn't matter what position they play. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to make it work. So a lot of it is not necessarily my vision. It's like, okay, with what we've got and what we can recruit, how can we win games? Right. Okay, I see. That's that's so, super interesting then. So it's yeah. more of like you adapting than it is you, I guess, like you said, laying down your philosophy and getting the players to fit that. You kind of have to fit with what the, you have. Yeah, but yes, for sure. But what I, what I do do differently, I think that that helps is – I'm organized. I'm prepared. Field set up before they get out there. There's no wasted time. I like, I literally prepare for like two hours prior to, without video, two hours prior to a session on like who's playing where, how we're, Mm. how we're um, like learning from the last game, preparing for the next game. Like how can I clearly convey a message without saying too much, without saying too little. Um, Like I think about all of those things and try and be really organized when we get out there. And still when we get out there, I'm like, I want to change the field size or like, someone gets hurt or like mm-hmm. someone is like, Oh, I forgot I had a lab or like, whatever, you know, you still have to adjust, but like, I had a math class. Yeah. yeah. Like, Oh, I'm coming late because I'm coming from class. I got out late. My professor didn't let me get out. Like literally everything you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Um, I hear it. We had some characters on our college team. There's always something. Yeah. Um, bringing it back to way back to Boston breakers. Um, you played with Kylie Strom at one point, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, she was our first guest. She, I don't think I listened to that episode. Yeah, yeah. He's like Atletico Madrid now, right? Yeah, playing Champions League. Um, and Kylie is a player, and she probably would agree with me, comes from a mid-major, stayed healthy, stayed persistent, found her niche, and, like, now, look, is playing at, like, an amazing club. Yeah. Like, she's a player that, like, literally stuck with it, where, like, wasn't a star – like mm-hmm. wasn't a star in the NWSL, but she was just like, okay, I'm going to just put my head down, get to work. And like, I'm assuming from what I can tell that she stayed healthy for the most part. Yeah. Um, and now she's, she's still playing. I know, yeah. That's where it went. She, she was on like Boston reserves, got cut, goes to Czech Republic, played well and went to Atletico Madrid. Like mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. And then uh, I guess we'll wrap it up with one last question. The toughest question. The toughest question of them all. So (laughs) what would you tell your younger self? Oh, gosh. I've gotten this before. Um, What would I tell my younger self? This is a bit of a selfish... uh, This is a bit selfish, but, like, not to have... There's no way I would have known not to listen to the people that I, like, like the coaches and the people I like valued most in the sense of like training smarter, not harder, because mm-hmm. 
I don't think it was my fault. <laughs> and that's why I say it's selfish. I don't think a lot of it like was my fault with like training too hard. Cause okay. I think sometimes I did train or a lot of times I did train too hard. And I, I think that the, the culture has changed from like more is better to like smarter is better. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have also, yeah, probably told myself not to train as hard, but still like it got me to where I was. So it's, it, that's hard. Um, and also to, to not believe everything that you hear. I think, I think I was very, um, I, I was always like a opinionated and like, I had my own thoughts, but I always assumed that other people in higher positions or on better teams or better players were like smarter, better. Um, they knew what they were talking about. No, like I didn't question anything, but I do think that there's a fine line because now you have girls that you coach or guys that you coach or work with or play with that like question everything. And I don't think that's good either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just said like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Or whatever and just did what people told me to do and like didn't question anything um so I would have done that and I also hmm, I think that that might be yeah that might be it I think that's one thing thing that you guys probably can relate to also is and I tell a lot of the the girls that I work with if they're trying to play overseas or go to the NWSL is that if you, let's say you get into a situation and you're there three or four months and you're questioning like your love for the game or you're questioning like why you're playing um, and you're not enjoying it, odds are it's the situation you're in and not necessarily that you're not enjoying the game anymore. So mm-hmm. you need to change your situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of times you're like, okay, I don't like this anymore. I want to quit. But like, that's, that's not most of the time that's not the case it's like you just need to change the environment you're in you need to find a team that better fits you find a location that better fits you um so not to be afraid to change that that's all i got like that yeah i love that a lot (laughs) cool all right kim well it was uh it was a pleasure talking to you it's it's always nice to chat catch up glad to see uh it's working out well with you now as a coach although your season has been moved to the spring you said to So how does that work? Just everything you'll start in March? March. We go preseason in February in the middle of winter in Indiana. So that's going to be fun. Um, And then we we just go in March. Um, But yeah. It's It's all up in the air. It is what it is. At least we're able to train right now. A lot of masks and a lot of hand sanitizer. We got to wipe down the balls after literally everything. Um, But no, it's good. good. So your school, the school is still in session though. Yeah. Okay. Because our our hybrid classes and yeah, it worked. Yeah, our our school. I think someone had a party or something, yeah, right? It was just a disaster. And they then like, they, like hundreds of people got corona, and so they shut a lot of stuff down. Yeah. I think that's happening across the country, though. Yeah. Like it's you're gonna see more of it. Absolutely. What an interesting experience as a first year head coach. <laughs> yeah. Well, now going to my second. Second mm-hmm. second year head coach. Excuse but, me. So if this was my first year, I don't know what I would have done. It would have been, <laughs> yeah. been wow. Now I'm a little bit more 
um, a little bit more confident. All right. So Kim had to go urgently. I think we took a lot of her time. So thank, so thankful to Kim. Yeah, Kim, you're the best. And uh, that's the life of head coach. Yeah, you got to be we on it. We were fortunate enough to steal an hour of her time. Uh, but yeah, she had to go. What a story, though. But what I a mean, story. Crazy. Rude Van I still can't believe that she... That's crazy. That's just a, she has to be the first person... To not that, know who he was. Yeah, when he says, oh yeah, I played a, you know, for a few times. But it makes it that much better. That's why right. probably why he like, yeah, kept it. Yeah, in contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a unique story. Amazing. Yeah, persistence, dream chasing. She had a lot of great things to say about you know not giving up on your dream. Yeah. And kind of understanding the situation that you're in. And mm-hmm. if it's the dream that you don't want to chase anymore, if it's your situation. Yeah. And also, don't always listen to what other people say and don't take it always as Bible. Yeah. You know, you think a lot of people have more information than you and you just trust them blindly. Yeah, but it's not always the case. I do that with Sean sometimes. It doesn't work out. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, whatever. So until next time. No, no, no. <laughs> we got to plug a couple of things. Keep plugging on the yeah. passing the footwork. Um, give us some Instagram shout outs. Also, Sean, what is our email where fans can definitely... You don't know our email? It's footworkpodcast.gmail.com. Yes, it is. We're going to double check that. Is it? For sure? We're going to check it. You guys can wait just one second. Footworkpodcast.gmail.com. Yes. Yeah, so hit that. Any questions, um, concerns, um, <laughs> advice? <laughs> well, tell us how you're feeling. Tell us how you're feeling. Tell us if you agree with us, some things that you know you liked or... Didn't like, disagree with, you know, we're always open to to some some different thoughts and, you know, we can voice them on the pod and yeah. you can have your footwork debut just like Kim did today. Yes, sir. So, I think... I think that's it. We'll, stay hear, tuned. we'll see you next week. Stay tuned for the last For the week. last guest of, of Guest Month. Ooh. Who's going to be? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's a few options, but we'll see. All right. So, until next time. Keep moving forward. Keep learning. And make your own path. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way.